Hi there. Welcome to our podcast for college Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick, and thank you for joining me today. Last episode, I spoke about the Sacrament of Confirmation and some of its main elements, and why it is important for all of us to receive it. So as a sequel to that theme, I think it is important to see some of the main effects that the sacrament has on your soul. I think we have to constantly remind ourselves that the sacraments are not just some sort of superstitious ritual. They are not some sort of external expression of our interior desires or simply some uh, formality to be a part of the church. They are much, much greater than that. They are realities instituted by Jesus Christ himself. They are specific external words and actions established by Jesus Christ, which convey an interior grace, and they make something happen in your soul. Something that is effectively conveyed and symbolized by those words, those actions, and those elements that are used to perform the sacrament. As a simple example, some episodes ago, we spoke about how through baptism, original sin is removed or washed away. And that's an effect that is symbolized by the pouring of water. So in, this, in the case of the sacrament of confirmation, we saw how it completes the graces given to you in baptism. But they, it offers a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your soul. And it seals you with an indelible seal of the Holy Spirit, and a seal that is called character. Now, in the Acts of the Apostles, apart from the coming of the Holy Spirit on the Apostles in Pentecost, we see how from then on, the Apostles themselves would lay hands on other disciples, invoke the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would actually descend on those disciples that had only been baptized, in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, we read chapter 8, verse 14. Peter and John came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for it had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Up to there, the Acts of the Apostles. So the importance of the sacrament for your spiritual life is manifested by the fact that the bishop is the only one who typically administers the sacrament. Now, during the liturgical celebration of the sacrament, the bishop asks God Almighty to give those who will be confirmed a powerful grace. He stretches out his hands over the candidates and says this prayer. And now this is only a part of it. And it reads this way, Send your Holy Spirit upon them to be, the, to be their helper and guide. Give them the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of right judgment and courage, the spirit of knowledge and reverence. Fill them with a spirit of wonder and awe in your presence. So these are the things that will be given to you through the Sacrament of Confirmation. And this is a prayer that, once you're confirmed, you can repeat frequently, invoking the Holy Spirit upon yourself, praying to be given true wisdom and understanding, a spirit of courage in defending the faith, and a spirit of reverence before God. 
So that prayer gives a little bit of a summary of some of the effects of baptism. So why don't we see then what effects has how what effects this sacrament has on the soul, right? In other words, let's look at what the sacrament does in you when you receive it and also after you received it, right? So this is what concerns you the most, especially the fact that you become a soldier of Christ, which is a grace, a dignity. But at the same time, it is a calling or responsibility. Through confirmation, you are called to be a witness to Christ in the world, to learn to defend the faith and conquer the world for Christ. But we will uh, talk a bit more about that toward the end of the episode. The main grace that this sacrament gives is to give you an outpouring of the Holy Spirit with all its gifts, just as it was given to the apostles in Pentecost. Now, let's look at the action of the Holy Spirit more in detail, right? So, first of all, through baptism, we were made children of God by adoption, through baptism. So, the sacrament of confirmation deepens that divine filiation and makes that divine filiation take greater roots in your soul. So, it is thanks to this that we can more truly pray to God and call him our Father, Abba, Father, with the attitude that a child has when he calls out to his father for help because he's in need and has the assurance, the child has the assurance that the father will listen to him and come to his rescue. Now, because we are more deeply sons of God and co-heirs with Christ, we are also united more firmly to our Lord Jesus Christ and to his mystical body, which is the Catholic Church. Of course, this doesn't mean that when we are bapt- we're confirmed, we are suddenly made holy, nor that it wouldn't be possible for us to sin after confirmation. But it means that we are given graces that make us be closer to Jesus Christ. So it will be easier to grow in the love of God. It will be easier to persevere and remain all our life as members of the church. So in summary, right, thanks to the grace of confirmation, It will be easier to grow in holiness. And it will be easier to do that than if we were not confirmed. Now, one other very logical effect of confirmation is that it gives you an increase, a deeper rooting in the soul of the gifts, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, here I think it's important to clarify a bit what are these gifts of the Holy Spirit and why they are important. First of all, we should know that we have received those gifts of the Holy Spirit for the first time in baptism. It's not something that we receive out of the blue, let's say, uh, for the first time in confirmation. We have received them already in baptism, but the gifts are given a greater depth in our soul, an increase, a deeper rooting in the soul. Now, the gifts are not some type of magical thing that makes us do strange things or rare things that look weird from the outside. Not at all. They are basically like a new spiritual quality of the soul, by which we are able to capture, so to speak, the graces and the impulses that God sends to our soul. They help us to be more immediately docile to the action of God in us. In this sense, a comparison may help. Now, this is just a comparison, all right? So it's not super perfect, but it can help. Imagine your soul 
like a rowboat. So you're in the boat and you're rowing, right? So that's your soul. And you can do a certain effort to move forward and do, in that sense, some good in the world. However, imagine you now add to that rowboat a sail by which it can catch the wind and move much faster and without much effort because it's being pushed by the wind. So the sails are not actually what is moving the sailboat. It is the wind that moves it. But the sails help to help the boat, let's say, and you who are sailing, to catch that wind, to benefit for the, from the wind, and respond to the wind and be moved by it. Right? Without the sails, you couldn't catch the wind. With the sails, you can catch the wind and move forward. So that's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit do in your soul. They're like the sails. If you try to do good, but you're not baptized or confirmed, that is, you're without the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you can still do some good, but it will require greater effort and the spiritual fruits will be less. And that would be like being in a rowboat and making an effort to row. Instead, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you're disposed to receive the action of God more efficiently, more promptly, and more fruitfully in such a way that you can do greater spiritual good in the world, and that is a good that will greatly outdo the poor efforts that you put in by your rowing. Because the one working in you will not be yourself, but God through you. Right? So in that sense, the gifts are like the sails that catch the wind and move the boat forward much faster and much, much more easily than if you were only rowing. And there are seven gifts, because each gift helps us to act, act in a particular way or with regard to a particular type of action. So the seven gifts are wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, fortitude, piety, and the fear of the Lord. They are enumerated in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 2 through 3. Now, if you go to the book of Isaiah, you won't find the same seven gifts, because those seven gifts, enumerated as I just said, are according to a translation of the Latin Vulgate that follows the translation, the translation of the Septuagint, which is the translation into Greek by the 70 wise men, right? The Septuagint is an Old Testament translation, which is the one that was used at the time of Christ, by the way. So the gifts of wisdom, the gift of understanding and knowledge affect primarily your intelligence. The gifts of fortitude, piety, and the fear of the Lord affect your will primarily. And in between them, there's the gift of counsel, which affects both the intelligence and the will. So, just as an example, I'm not going to develop all of the gifts, but just one. For example, the gift of fortitude helps you by strengthening your will to do what is good and holy, even in the face of great difficulty. It gives you a supernatural level of courage so that under the action of God's actual grace or impulse or prompting, you would be able to endure terrible sufferings willingly for your faith. And this is what happened in the life of so many martyrs, right? They were performing actions 
under the gift of fortitude moved by the grace of God. That's what we see in the life of St. Maximilian Kolbe, who died during the Second World War in Auschwitz, which was a Nazi concentration camp. A man tried to escape the camp so that retaliation, the guards, the Nazi guards, would execute several men by locking them up in a chamber until they died of hunger. One of the men that would be executed started crying and saying that he had a wife and children and that he had to return to them one day, and he was hoping to do so. So it was the gift of fortitude that inspired St. Maximilian Kolbe to offer himself to be killed instead of that man who was initially selected to be executed. It was also the gift of fortitude which helped him endure the terrible torture of being starved to death, praying daily and with a joyful attitude, and even live much longer than what would naturally be possible for a human being under those conditions. So it is the sacrament of confirmation that gives you also the gift of the Holy Spirit to a greater degree, rooting them more firmly in your soul. Now let's look another at another effect of the gift of the sacrament of confirmation. Through that sacrament, we are given, as we said earlier, an indelible mark or character by which we are marked as disciples of Christ forever. This indelible, indelible means that it cannot be erased, right? This indelible character makes us sharers in the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which we are able to share our faith with others, lead them to salvation, and offer our spiritual sacrifices together with the one sacrifice of Christ in the Holy Mass. Right? So the character makes us share in the priesthood of Christ, and it remains for us, in us, sorry, forever. As a result of this character, then, another effect is that the sacramental confirmation makes you a soldier of Christ, makes you a miles Christi, which means soldier of Christ. Of course, soldier of Christ understood in a spiritual way, right? Like an apostle of Christ. That's what it means. And this expression is taken from the letters of the letter of St. Paul to Timothy, when he tells him to work for the salvation of souls, and he writes in his second letter to Timothy, actually chapter 2, verse 3, take your share of suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Up to there, St. Paul. So because you become a soldier of Christ, you are called to be a witness to Christ in the world. You are called to defend the faith with your words, but also with your life. On the other hand, you are called to witness positively before the world, to, bring, to, to make an effort to bring others to the faith, to be an apostle, active apostle, to convince others of the greatness of being a disciple of Christ. And this is one of the greatest things of our faith, that Jesus Christ wants us to work with him, to help him to bring other people to eternal life. He could do it himself by, by himself alone, but he wants you to be a part of that project. And you're not only called or invited to do this, you are also given the strength, the ability, the interior help to do it. Because our Lord promises to work through you in the hearts of your neighbor. 
So let us look briefly at who can celebrate the sacrament of confirmation. And this also will shed a little bit of light in, into the importance of the sacrament. The ordinary and original minister of confirmation is the bishop, the local bishop. However, in some cases, when it's necessary, the bishop may delegate this authority to a priest who would still have to use the holy oil consecrated by the bishop. Now, just to show how important the sacrament of confirmation is, if you haven't been confirmed, and if you're in, in real danger of death, any priest is allowed to give you the sacrament of confirmation without further permissions. Right? He doesn't need to apply for something. Just because you are in danger of death, the priest is allowed to give you that sacrament of confirmation. As the Catechism of the Catholic Church says in number 1314, Indeed, the Church desires that none of her children, even the youngest, should depart this world without having been perfected by the Holy Spirit with the gift of Christ's fullness. So that goes to show the importance of confirmation. So if you're in the danger of death and you're not confirmed, you can ask to be confirmed even by a, any priest that is available. So we have to thank our Lord for this great dignity of being his co-workers, his soldiers, his brothers in arms, we could say. And you should take on the responsibility of leading others to the faith, leading by example, leading with prayer, and if necessary, leading also with your words and encouragement. May you also be like St. Timothy, a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So, thank you for sharing your time with me today. Make sure you share this, uh, this episode with other young people. Remember to follow or subscribe to this podcast in the, whatever platform you use. And if you want to help this podcast, do try to leave a review in Apple Podcasts. May God bless you, and we will see you next time.